Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, March 14th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast, Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. I, I'm back, Ryan. I've been away for two weeks. Uh, I, I did a bunch of stuff. I, I just got back from... Uh, the Wonder of the Seas, the biggest, the, the newest biggest cruise ship in the world, which was wonderful, except for our last day where Kitra broke her ankle in, in two different places and is going to be going through surgery this week. So that uh, that's not fun. But I also did the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which is uh, the new everybody's calling it the star wars hotel but I, I i hate to call it that because it's not real i mean it is a hotel in the the respect that you stay overnight there but um it's not really a hotel it's an experience and i uh, i was covering for ordinary adventures you can go to the ordinary adventures youtube channel and we did four videos on our entire two-day experience of that so if you want to check that out but we we will be doing a podcast episode on that hopefully next week with brian who was also there but um i know that you've been uh, curious about this the galactic star cruiser peter have i ever been curious about this <laughs> uh i am i am but a lowly rube of a star wars fan you know i i you know for me extravagance is oh wow that lightsaber is a hundred dollars um you know and, and like i haven't even gotten to do you know, I haven't even gotten to go to Disneyland yet for, you know, Star Wars land, oh, no. let alone spend $5,000 for a two-day, you know, immersive excursion, which does look very cool as someone who watched some of your videos. But my big, simple question to you is, as a lowly <laughs> rube who is not lousy with money, uh, is do you really think it's worth the cost? If someone like me was like, okay, I've got to figure out how to get this money together to go do this because it would take some doing. Like, and this, I don't mean like a little bit of doing. Question. It would be like, right, cause yeah, I, this, but that's the bit, but you got to understand, like a lot of people are going to be asking that question. So oh. I hate to put you on the spot, but I do want to know. 
it, it's the number one question I'm getting since I, I, I went there is, is it worth it? And I, I hate to be a cop out here. I hate to, <laughs> whatever. But I think that the answer to that question is highly personal to you, the person asking it. I think um, it, it depends, number one, on your financial situation. And if if you can afford to take a, a vacation that costs that much money uh, in one year. Um, number two, how much you are invested in the Star Wars brand and franchise. Um, I, I can tell you, you know, five thousand dollars is a lot of money. <laughs> okay, like it's it, it sure uh, as hell is. Uh, the, the, there are people that go to Disneyland every day and do the VIP tour there that costs about five thousand dollars after tip and stuff like that, and that'll get you eight hours and you can go on all the rides and. Uh, I, I got to do it once as a guest of someone, and it is awesome. But would I ever pay $5,000 for eight hours at Disneyland? No. <laughs> um, for me, you know, I get to go to Disneyland whenever I want because I'm an annual pass holder, I'm a magic key holder. So to, to me, the value isn't there. So the question is the value of this two day, two night experience there for you? And that's a hard question. And I would say that like a lot of people are concentrating on, on this $5,000 price tag. And um, my, my suggestion to you, if, if you're not like in a, a relationship is find three friends to go with and then it's fifteen hundred dollars each i'm not saying that's cheap that you know that's still expensive but that's a lot less of a price tag than you know five thousand dollars and i, I think right, you'll have no. a lot more fun with with a group of friends doing this experience too no totally but, but i guess but i guess it's also like you know that's just to get you in the door you know and there's a lot of other expenses associated with the trip so ultimately yeah, yeah. you know it is still going to come out yeah. to be pretty pricey yeah, I, I will say this. Um, you know, I just got back. I, I mentioned I, I was on Wonder of the Seas, which is Royal Caribbean's newest. It's the biggest cruise ship in the world. It, you know, it went to Haiti, went to Puerto Rico, went to the Bahamas, you know, to their private island, Coco Cay. A lot of people I, I hear saying, like, you know, for that amount of money that the Star Cruiser costs, I would rather travel the world. Or do you know what I mean? I'd rather go on a cruise. I'd rather go to Tokyo. I... I, I Ryan, there hasn't been like an hour <laughs> since in the last two weeks that I haven't thought of the Star Cruiser and how much I miss it and how much like I, I feel like in a year I will have some memories from this Wonder of the Seas trip, but it's going to like the Star Cruiser has made such an everlasting mark on my heart and my memories and it's going to be something I like hold dearly forever. Um so I don't know. I, I hate to be like the person like, oh, you should go spend $5,000. I, I can't say that. I, I honestly can't say that for you or anybody else. But I can tell you that for me, it was totally worth it. I, okay. uh, Kitra and I stayed with a friend. So we ended up paying $3,900 for our uh, March 1st uh, cruise. So we didn't pay the full $5,000. So I can't tell you $5,000 was worth it for me. But the $3,900 was worth it for me. So. No, but you, but you did, but you did within yeah. relative, like you had a person you went with and like, I, I yeah. appreciate you being transparent about the cost too. Like, cause yeah. that's important to me is like, because in a lot of ways I am the target demographic for this. Like, even though I don't make a ton of money, like I am very much the, the, the guy that's there looking at me and going, you know, Hey, Mr. <laughs> very intense star Wars fan, 
You know, like, so that is interesting to hear, but I haven't even done Galaxy's Edge yet, yeah. so I got to get that off my Oh, you got to do that. But I will say this, because I, I know we've been talking a lot about cost and worth, and probably some people are wondering about this thing. And the thing to me that hit me on day two of this thing is that it isn't a Star Wars hotel. This is, this is a piece of art. It really is a piece of art on the level of, like, you know, a, a great blockbuster movie. But instead of watching it from your couch or a movie theater seat, you're you're experiencing it from the inside, and you're not just experiencing it, but you're you're involved. You're you're there helping the characters, and, and it, I don't know. It, it's I've never been to Sleep No More in New York City. It's something I've always heard about, and I like uh, from a person who who loves like. It, you know, I love ensemble movies where the, the, the character storylines all, all like intersect and stuff like that. It's so cool to be in this experience, e even taking Star Wars out of it, where like the stories are happening all around you. You could be helping this one person over there. Or there's this other thing going on over there. Like it, it, it's it, it's a living, breathing thing that's happening. The story's happening around you. And it, it I don't know, it, it, it all... It really does feel like being in a Star Wars movie. So it's interesting yeah. you you saying it that way because I remember. So I never got to do the Jurassic Park ride, uh, despite like you know twenty six years of wanting to. And then when I found out they were closing it, I got a couple <sighs> of friends together and we went on the very last weekend. And you know Jurassic Park is my favorite movie. And one of the things I described to people was like, like I did a write up about it at the time, and I sort of said like, how often can you say that you get to spend like seven minutes living inside of your favorite movie, you know? And like that to me was worth every penny of every bit of an experience, but that was like several minutes, you know, yeah. like that was like, you know, that was not something, you know, so that thinking about like, cause I, cause it's weird. You, you were saying that and I don't know why, like I, I think star Wars has a bigger impact in my life overall, but I was just thinking, man, if you could just give me two days of actually being at like Jurassic park, the amount of money I would, you know, oh, like, so that'd be awesome. Like, yeah, but I mean, so you're talking about that immersive experience. So I just thought about that. If if it really does feel that way for Star Wars, you know, I do see that the, there is tremendous value in that. I see what you're saying. I mean, I think if this is successful, and it, it's too early to say if it is or isn't, um, you'll see other companies like Universal. I It seems very easy, easily they could adapt this for like Harry Potter or something. <laughs> um, yeah, see, I don't care about that. Give me, let yeah. me go be with dinosaurs <laughs> for two days. I don't care about, I don't care about wizard stuff. I want to go, <laughs> I want to go, you know, on a dinosaur cruise and, a, you know, I know that's a little harder to do, but still. Yeah, I'm not sure how you'd accomplish that, but um, yeah. Okay. Anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a lot about this next cool, week cool, cool, uh, okay. when I have Brian Young on the podcast because he was there with me. And, I appreciate um, you indulging me. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's get into the news. We have a bunch of news today because uh, we, we only had a couple episodes last week. Uh, let's start first with uh, Avatar Two has a competitor uh, now. Now has some has someone going up against it at the box office. Ryan, tell us about it. Well, to be clear, uh, Warner Brothers uh, just did a bunch of shuffling of its release calendar last week. And for a long time, people have been looking at, like, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, otherwise known as Aquaman 2, had been set on the same date as Avatar 2, which is December 16th of this year. Um, now, before I even start talking, 
Disney has been and 20th Century Studios have been very firm that Avatar 2 will make its December 16th date. So I know it's moved before, but like they 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 seem certain that the movie is finally coming. So that having been said, Warner Brothers <laughs> shuffled around its release schedule, took Shazam Fury of the Gods, a.k.a. Shazam 2, moved it out of June 2023 and shuffled it into that December 16th. 2022 spot shazam 2 is now dead up against avatar 2 um which is stupid uh i don't really know how else to put it uh this is a bad idea um nothing well, about there the are way the a lot of people up. out there that are like rooting for avatar 2 to fail like they they think it's been too many years since the first one they think the first one was like kind of an anomaly uh, of sorts and I mean, I, there, there is something Not kind of. It was, it was yeah. an anomaly. Let's be clear. But <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, maybe this would be good counter-programming? No, counter-programming is when you have Star Wars The Force Awakens come out and you have the Amy Poehler and Tina Fey comedy sisters open up against it. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is, and again, you're talking about, you know, different... Look, uh, the counter-programming is opening Dog against Uncharted in the yeah, modern yeah. marketplace. This is stupid. And and I wrote a thing for us, which you can read on, on Slashbomb. And I and I generally try not to be, like, overt with my opinions here. But, like, it, it I, there's no version of the And, look, I understand, like, a lot of people on film Twitter are, like, you know, they have their opinions or whatever. But it's a bubble. You know, the fact of the matter is Avatar 2 is going to crush. Even if it makes a third of what the original made, it's going to be the highest grossing movie of the year. And, and uh, you know, it... It made like almost sixty million dollars in its re-release in China last year. The original did, you know. So you look at like what the sequel stands to make on a global scale. Uh, the, look, Shazam did really well, and the thing about Shazam is that it has breakout potential for the sequel, much like the difference between John Wick and John Wick Chapter Two, or the biggest one, Batman Begins to the Dark Knight. You really could see, see that with Shazam too but not if it has to go up against another gigantic blockbuster that will absolutely trounce it. So I really hope someone wises up and this gets moved around because I think this would be a shame for everyone involved in that movie to have to just suffer the consequences of going up against Avatar 2. I don't know. It, it seems like a really poor business decision to me. Yeah, I don't think there's any benefit going up unless they... Do you think Warner Brothers knows something that we don't about maybe Avatar moving yet again? They 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 must. Or the only other thing I could think is because they've had to shuffle, like Aquaman had to move out of this year, and so did the Flash. So then you had the Batman opening, and so and then you and then Black Adam got delayed to October. So DC's a big pillar of like you know their investor strategy and stuff in terms uh, of like yeah. here's our big flashy movies that did well. So if you then take Shazam out of this calendar year, um, and you got to keep in mind, they already bumped up the release date by six months. So David F. Sandberg is now scrambling to get this movie done. <laughs> uh, is it just that they have to have another one open for investors sake, you know, within the calendar year? Uh, that seems possible to me. But but at the same time, you're you're really kneecapping the movie's potential in my eyes. So I don't know. Yeah. Okay, let, let's get uh, serious for a second here. Let's talk about the Bob Chapek fiasco that's been happening over the last two weeks while I was away. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to recap this whole thing. It, it, it's kind of a complicated situation, so forgive me if I am missing bits and pieces. I'm, I'm going to do my best. So on February 25th, the Florida House of Representatives passed the a bill that's being called the Don't Say Gay Bill. That's not actually the name of the bill, but that's what uh, the press has kind of uh, called it. Uh, it would ban lessons about sexual orientation in gay uh, uh, lower end grade levels and basically would um you know uh critics of this bill have claimed that it would it's created to stigmatize marginalized students and lead to bullying and attacks because basically if you're not educating uh these young students on people that might not be uh you, you know the the large public um then maybe they're gonna they're gonna be attacked for being you know quote unquote different um people like uh president biden and former disney head bob Iger have come up out against this bill publicly i, I think almost everybody <laughs> that is uh There's in not, hollywood it does not point. appear to be popular no yeah 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 um i mean <laughs> i think it's fair to say that almost I would say everybody on the slash film team is against this bill. Uh, I haven't talked to everybody, so I, I can't, I, I can't uh, say that. But from what I could see in the Slack, it seems seems like that's the case. Um, so eyes were on Disney because Disney, as a company, has such a large foothold in Florida. You know, this is a bill in Florida. They they have Walt Disney World Resort in Florida, and also they're moving a large. Uh, portion of their their company is actually they're moving to florida in the i think next year or the year after something like that so um disney started taking heat for this online because they did not release a statement publicly about this bill and also it was revealed that they had donated money about two hundred thousand dollars to the statewide elected officials who supported the bill to be clear here they didn't you know they didn't give them the money after the the bill, do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like they're like, here's money to support this bill, but they they did support the campaigns for these uh, elected officials that did end up supporting the bill. Um, Bob Chapek, uh at first, after you know there was criticism, he he, I think he, it was a letter to cast members or something like that. He he tried to explain he he didn't release a statement on the bill because quote. They are often weaponized by one side or the other to further divide and inflame. And it, it was pretty much, uh, I think Hollywood Reporter explained that like Bob Chapek's view on politi- like uh, making such statements as he doesn't want to get involved unless it's something that is, you know, uh, connected to the company's businesses, which he does not, he did not feel like this was connected. Um, he said, okay, I'm going to read the quote here. Uh, this isn't his first statement. Uh, I want to be crystal clear. I and the entire leadership team unequivocally stand in support of LGBTQ plus employees, their families, and their communities. And we are committed to creating a more inclusive company and world. We all share the same goal of more tolerant, respectful world. Where we may differ is the tactics to get there. And because this struggle is much bigger than any one bill in any one state, I believe the best way for our company to bring about lasting change is through inspiring content 
we produce, uh, the welcoming culture we create and the diverse community organizations we support. Now, uh, th things did not go well, Ryan. <laughs> uh, the, 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 um, the employees of Disney and Pixar did not uh, respond well to that. They, they thought this was not a good enough statement. There was this public letter that was released from the LGBTQIA plus employees of Pixar and their allies. And it kind of went viral. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing here. I'm going to put links in the show notes to everything. But uh, one key point here it says uh we at pixar have personally witnessed beautiful stories full of diverse characters come back from disney corporate reviews shelved or shaved down to crumbs of what they once were nearly every moment of overtly gay affection is cut at disney's behest regardless of when there is protest from both the creative teams and executive leadership at pixar so um yeah yeah, so basically that that goes to uh, goes against what Bob Chapek's saying of them creating content that will will change the world, <laughs> whatever he's trying to say. Um, so basically, Chapek was put in a corner, and he officially officially released an apology late last week. Um, he apologized to the LGBT. QIA plus employees working at Disney and announced the halt of any and all political donations to the company would make in the state of Florida. And I'm not going to read the whole statement, but I think it's fair to say that it's being seen largely as too late and too little. And um, I think people are also like, you know, why is he halting all donations? Why not just halt the donations to the the people that, you know, <laughs> supported this bill? Uh, it seems like it's being, I don't know. <laughs> it's a complicated situation. This whole thing's a complicated situation. Uh, Bob Chapek, uh, this is probably one of the worstly, worst um, responses to a public uh, relations uh, scenario that a big company like Disney has ever seen, I think, in my mind. Um, um, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. That's that might be slightly hyperbolic for my taste, but it certainly feels that way in the moment. Yeah. Um, so I guess the question here is, you know, so Disney, Disney, and Bob Chapek, or I should say, it's it's hard because we always talk about companies like they're a thing. But they aren't, you know, there are a lot of people. And, uh, you know, the head of this uh, company right now, Bob Chapek, uh, I, I guess let, let me address him uh, directly here. So Bob Chapek is saying that they're go going to make changes, that they're going to reevaluate things. Uh, Disney as a company has been trying to um, be more inclusive, especially in, in the parks. They've made some changes lately and stuff. So they, they make some changes, but then on the other hand, you know, you have these gay characters uh, in the movies, but they're either they never say they're gay or there's one line in the movie that says they're gay and there's no public. You know, it, it's very it's, it's almost like it feels like lip service doesn't feel like that's all. Big... That's all that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think Chapek needs to do here at this point? Because I, I don't know what his move is. Uh, it really seems to me like 
don't know. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, just real quick. I so a second ago I said like hyperbolic in relation to what you said. What I mean is yeah. like like I don't know if this is the worst ever public <laughs> relations from a big company, but I do a thousand percent believe that Disney is. I just want to firmly point out here yeah. that I look. I'm not maybe not the most qualified person to 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 comment on this as a straight white guy, but like a thousand percent Disney's been a thousand percent in the wrong the whole way here. Like yes, just want to make that very clear. And and the response has been very bad, and the the insight that has been coming from inside of Disney has been pretty pretty damning. So there's no there's not much redeeming here. And yeah, it did seem a little too little too late. And any of the too little too late response was driven by backlash, not because the company really truly felt anything. You know, it wasn't coming from a genuine place. It was coming from a oh no, now because we have all this heat under us, we actually have a motivation to do the right thing. You know, so yeah. it's coming from the wrong place anyway. So all of this to say, look, I don't know that anyone's felt like Bob Chapek has been like the 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 successor to Bob Iger. Everyone was hoping he would be anyway. I don't get the sense that everyone's like, oh, Chapek's really our guy. Like Bob Iger was one hell of a head of a company, yeah. um, you know, as a guy who, you know, thinks very business mindedly and like looks at the movie business. Iger was, you know, like, I'm not saying the guy was perfect, but like as a head of a company, as the face of a company, and as the guy who steered the ship, you know, Chapek is not following that well, and and I I don't know what the move is here. I don't know that, like, Disney can, rem you know, I don't know that, like, removing a CEO right now is a good idea. I don't know if that sends the right message, but I don't know if Chapek can weather this storm well enough to, to rebound. I think this is going to haunt him for as long as he's in that position. And I wonder to what degree and at what point it sort of forces his hand. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you said uh, you don't know if there's anybody out there that, that sees Bob Chapek as a uh, worthy successor to Iger at this point. I, I, and I would love to talk to anybody that actually does feel that at this point. Yeah. And I'm curious because, again, I know you have like heavy ties to Disney. You know, like yeah. I, again, I just look at like the business stuff. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Iger just struck me as like a brilliant guy, you know, and like, you know, and like a really like when that guy spoke, you listened. Chapek, you know, God, when that we they had the we had the the investor call last week. And when he started talking, just the groans and, the you know, our, our company Slack channel. You know, like the guy just, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, and, the, you know, so it's like he was unexciting before and now this. It, it's tough to imagine a like a, a comprehensive recovery. Yeah, I mean, JPEG has kind of been painted in his time at Disney as, as a guy that's kind of um, he's a spreadsheet guy. He's always trying to, you know, tweak the numbers and make more money. And uh, in his time of heading up Disney at this point I can I, I can speak from a, you know a, a fan of Disney parks like they've they've made it not fun <laughs> I mean like uh, the 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 cost-cutting measures that they've taken the, the food has gotten substantially smaller but more money I know some of that's pandemic related so w whatever um, the ticket prices have gone up the uh, they've added, you know, paid fast pass. They're, they're trying to like, you know, Bob Chapek's the guy that created the Disney vault. 
you know, back in the day, he created the idea of, um, which I guess is brilliant from a uh, business standpoint. Oh, it's, of, it's super brilliant, super yeah. brilliant. But um, I don't know. He just does. He doesn't. He definitely doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the. Uh, he just can't play to the 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 press and the shareholders in the way that Iger could. And also, I don't know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's willing to take the risks that are needed um to to run this company i I don't know i think with him as the helm of this company i i hate to say this i know this might be another hyperbolic statement but i i I think the company is only gonna be worse off with him as as the head um i i don't think i think two weeks ago i oh go ahead i'm sorry i was gonna say i don't think this is enough for him to have to step down or be replaced sadly um but i would love to see that happen yeah, I don't. I just think it's more of I. I would imagine that Disney is not thrilled with him as CEO right now, um, like just because there just seems to be an utter lack of excitement about him in the position, and yeah. and it's it's like any any time he's been at the center of a conversation, it doesn't seem to have a positive tenor to it. Whereas when Iger was at the center of a lot of conversations, there very much was a positive tenor to it. Um, but I agree with you in that like. From a corporate standpoint, removing the guy like less than two years after Iger was gone doesn't paint a good image. And at this point, like emerging from the pandemic, you need to sort of like, you know, make it seem like you have your shit together. And <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he's going anywhere right now. But I do think if something else happens, you know, because like I said, this isn't going anywhere like this yeah. is going to follow him. And and if something else happens, then you suddenly wind up in a like a, t- a much tougher situation. Um, I just don't know. I will be very curious. I was gonna say I don't know creatively. How do you how do you come back from this? And by creatively, I mean like you know he was talking about how the company is gonna creatively you know make an impact on improving inclusivity and stuff like that in this world. Like you know uh, Pixar or. Disney animation movie those those are created you know five years out like how 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 do you change how people see the company after that letter from uh the creatives at Pixar comes out do you know what I mean like what what needs to happen for for that to change I'm not sure uh I've always been like an action speak louder than words guy Um, like in every facet of my life. So like if you start to see actual act, actual actionable change, if you start seeing like, oh, Pixar movies are able to do the stories they want to do. And oh, like Disney is making content with like, you know, this type of representation out front and center. Not like all of it, but like, you know, you do allow these things to happen. And, you know, I think it was different, you know, like before gay marriage was legalized across the board and, you know, you could have maybe argued that this stuff was still a little bit like, you know, subverted in the culture, but we've come a long way and it's weird for Disney to still be this way about it. Um, so yeah, I just think it's about like actionable change at this point and you really have to put your money where your mouth is. And, and that's where I think you might get some, some, you know, good, good public stuff back on your side is if you, you, they really demonstrate what they're saying. Um, 
but the, but it, but you know that that would take time because you have to get like movies and TV shows and other things into production that that suggest this is really the case. Yeah, and uh, it, it's tough too because I, I I do feel like you know I am a, a fan of the Disney Company. Um, you know I love Marvel, I love Star Wars, I love Disney animation, I love Pixar. I do feel like that company has been very forward leaning in them trying to have characters that are not just, you know, the straight white, you know, in Pixar specifically, they like created this whole software to basically analyze their scripts so that, 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 that even like the characters, the dynamic of the characters of, you know, uh, sex and uh race and stuff like that will be more inclusive and uh pixar you know in, in specific um has created uh i think there was like an animated film that was about a gay couple i don't have it in front of me but you know and, and like you said and like we mentioned earlier there's movies and tv shows like loki he mentioned at one point that he was gender fluid or something like that um it's mentioned, it, which is more than I think a lot of companies are doing these days. But I don't feel like it's, it, I don't feel like it's big enough. It's not bold enough to to change the world, if that makes sense. So, anyways, uh, we've probably gone way longer on this than I expected. Uh, it, it, it's it's a well, it's uh, a big it's a big thing, and it's yeah. worth talking about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's uh let's move on from that. Let's talk about uh something a little bit more funny. Let's talk about Deadpool 3 as founder director. Ryan, tell us about that. Yeah, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but I believe I predicted this was going to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, like so, so um, it came out on Friday that uh, Deadpool 3 under, under Disney's direction finally has a director in the form of Sean Levy. Uh, who, you know, was one of the executive producers of Stranger Things, but more importantly, has collaborated with Ryan Reynolds, who was poised to return as Deadpool, uh, on his last two movies in Free Guy and, um, and, uh, more recently The Atom Project, which released on Netflix. Um, so they have decided to collaborate on, uh, Deadpool 3. And another interesting wrinkle is that the, uh, creators behind Bob's Burgers had previously been, uh, writing the script for Deadpool 3. Yet, we have circled back to Deadpool and Deadpool 2 writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who are who the Hollywood Reporter is now saying are back on board the project. Mm. So you've got, you know, the original team back with a new director, uh, one who has produced two very well-liked movies uh, with Ryan Reynolds, and uh, one that created a big hit for 20th Century Studios, now owned by Disney. So uh, good news for those who want to see Deadpool 3, Perhaps bad news for those who want to see the franchise stay R-rated, but that is speculative at this point. Yeah. Uh, my question to you, Ryan, is Sean Levy a good fit here? Like, there's no doubt that he is a good producer. He's produced some great stuff. Uh, he's even done some good film. Like, I, I, th I think he is a good director for, um, for stories that are supposed to uh, kind of connect to the broadest possible audience, if that makes sense. Like he's very good yeah. at, he's very vanilla. I'll say that he's very vanilla. And I, I know that sounds like an insult, but he's very good at connecting with like mass audiences. 
like it, you look at uh, real steel or you look at um, I love real steel uh, free free guy yeah <laughs> no no I, I, I love, love real steel too yeah um, uh, I haven't seen his latest film with uh, Ryan Reynolds I quite like, like the it, Adam Project Adam Project but it seems to me that Deadpool is a much more specific like. I don't know. Like, I, I don't see Sean Levy as the Deadpool guy. Right. But I think part of the problem sometimes is you put a filmmaker or an actor in a box. Right. And 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 then that that like, you know, it, that's a little unhelpful. I think if you look at like Sean Levy has produced hit movies that have connected with wide audiences, even if it's Deadpool, you need that for a superhero movie straight up. Secondly, you have Ryan Reynolds, who has been steering this ship from the beginning. You had a big director change between Deadpool and Deadpool 2, and the tone and and everything remained very much intact. With Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick back on, I do believe with them and Ryan helping to steer the ship, the fact that like Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds clearly have like an outstanding working relationship, that to me sort of overrides any concern I would have about like him... Levy being able to navigate a tone change you know like he's a good filmmaker and he's got a great relationship with the star of the franchise I think the rest of the pieces ease my mind my concern is still you hire Levy it leads me to believe you're not going R-rated yeah yeah that's my concern and the only thing I'll say is Ryan Reynolds posted a thing after the news came out he posted a fun little poster with like his characters from uh, free guy in the Adam project and then Deadpool's in there and, and he said the third film in my Sean Levy trilogy will be a tad more stabby which I think like is him sort of saying look, look you're not going to get a whole lot of stabby stabby in like a PG-13 you know so maybe that's maybe that's me reading into it optimistically but but mm. um, yeah I don't know I think I I, I, uh, I, I the only hold up I have is that I, I don't know if Reynolds would do it if he couldn't do it the way he wanted to do it. And I, I, that leaves me hope that maybe they'll stick R-rated, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? I, I feel like Deadpool has to be R-rated. I don't... I mean, I know they did... Uh, didn't they do a Deadpool 2 PG-13 cut or something? Yeah, um, yeah, just for fun yeah. after the fact. But, like, you know, it, it would like the R-rated version very much exists. Yeah, I don't... I don't see how you do a Deadpool as PG-13. I also don't know how Deadpool, how you do Deadpool in the MCU. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I but, think, uh, oh, I think there's absolutely opportunity for Deadpool to exist in the MCU, not R-rated. Like if he's just showing up in other stuff, you can have a ton of fun with the idea that he's not getting to be R-rated. Like, but in his movies, you need that. Hmm. Do you think do you think Ryan Reynolds is willing to drop the PG-13 uh, drop the R rating for PG-13 in exchange for possibly having like you know Robert Downey Jr sh- show up as Iron Man in a scene or something. Do you know what I mean like is that enough to be is that enough of a trade-off? Uh again, I don't know. I I I cuz I do also sense that Ryan sort of like some of the comments he's made, I think he sees this as getting away from him if he doesn't do something soon. Um, you know, in terms of like, you know, he's not getting any younger and it's already been four years since Deadpool two. And, and, um, so I, I wonder if maybe that is motivating him to just 
maybe do what needs to be done and maybe try to make the best version of it that he can at PG-13. But I also, I just still feel like as long as he labored to get that one going and as much success as those other two movies had, it's still hard for me to imagine him relenting if he felt that it needed to be R-rated. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to know, but. Okay, well, we'll find out uh, soon enough, I'm sure, what the rating is. But let's move on to one last thing. We didn't get to talk about this last week uh, while it's gone. But the trailer for the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus TV series was released. And uh, you did a trailer breakdown for this on Slash Film. And uh, actually, let's start first with what is your reaction for the trailer? Uh, I, I loved it. I, I really loved it. Um, and I was feeling a little jaded about Star Wars TV after Book of Boba Fett, but I, I really loved it. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I, obviously I could, I could talk for a very long time about this, but I liked, <laughs> I re, I really liked what I saw. I like, like, there's something about like utterly defeated Obi-Wan that's working for me. And, and I know he won't end in that place, but I, I sort of like that as a starting place. And visually, I think it looks good, and I, I'm nothing but encouraged. Yeah, no, I, I was all in, especially with the Duel of the Fates soundtrack. Um, it, I don't know. It, it does look different than I was expecting. I don't know. For some reason, I guess I wasn't expecting what you said, uh, the defeated Obi-Wan. But, I mean, it makes perfect sense this is coming off of revenge of the sith uh, yeah the guy I mean, had a lot of it... reason to be optimistic after that <laughs> um well there is a new hope here it teases obviously um and you're looking at him from afar uh, the, the inquisitors are, are, are cool i will say that that one inquisitor is getting a lot of flack on star wars twitter because he doesn't quite yeah. look like yeah what, what did you think of that uh, um, I mean, look, he doesn't look as cool as the guy from Rebels, but at the same time, like, animation is not live action, and live action is not animation. Like, you have to understand that, like, adapting these things, you know, just it, like in the same like Darth Vader doesn't look the same in Rebels as he does in the movies. Like, it is, you know, it, it animation is a different medium. So, yeah. I, I'm willing to wait to see how it plays like on screen. Like, I'll see, I do think like some of the close-up shots, it's like, man, your head looks fat and weird, but like, but like, but like it, but who knows, like the, the, the trailer shots don't ever really equal the whole, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't as put off by that as like some people were, but I, uh, I, I'm sort of more in the middle on it as, as boring as that is. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people are like focused on the fact that his head isn't like long, like the, um, yeah the other of that species that doesn't bother me as much because I, I i feel like you know very indifferent head sizes like you know an alien species does not all of them have to have the same like elongated head but to me what is annoys me is like you can't really see the detail of like those like lines that kind of go in uh, the skin of that of that species uh, but oh again, i didn't even notice that but you're right but uh, but again, I, I think, you know, we're only seeing a couple shots here and like, you know, one of them is like in this like really dark, 
lighting with some like red lighting on it. So I don't know. Like, like you said, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt and see, see more before. But it's funny how nowadays every Star Wars thing that comes out, even if it's like an episode of TV, a trailer, a movie, there has to be something that Star Wars fans are like upset about that. They're like, this is not my size. Yeah, I, I normally, I and that's why I hated hating the Book of Boba Fett as much as I yeah. did because I don't like being that guy. I like to love <laughs> Star Wars, and I really hated being like Mister Negative about it. And and uh, I I just want to love it. And 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 Obi Wan really does look good to me. And and I think it's helpful that we're sort of divorced from the Mandalorian timeline, and we can sort of not have to deal with that. Um, I still I still think my big takeaway is that like I wish this was a movie. But, um, you know, that aside, I'm very happy at what I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, and, and with this, they've actually come out and started doing publicity for the series. And there, there was actually, I think, Kathleen Kennedy talking about why. Because originally they had started production of the Obi-Wan Kenobi scripts. Like or they, they, they were building sets. They, they had a set of scripts. And then it was like all thrown out and they had to like re revise them and uh i think you wrote up an article because entertainment weekly asked who was it kathleen kennedy asked someone yeah it was kennedy on uh, what what happened with that so now we have some some further insight in what what happened with the original vision of this series oh yeah so so basically because there there was yeah she was basically saying that like it more or less like she didn't say it directly but it was more like the the original scripts that were written and and basically those original TV scripts that were written were were adapted from what was going to be the Obi Wan movie. We know it was going to be a movie, and then Solo bombed and everything changed. And but basically Kennedy stepped in and was like, "Look, we want to make a more hopeful story here." So they they canceled pre production, put a halt in it stopped everything for a handful of months, brought in Joby Harold to sort of rework the story with Deborah Chow, who directed, and they came up with what we have now. Um, so it sort of evolved, and, and Kennedy felt and the need to, to stop the train before it got moving too far, which I think is interesting, because uh, maybe that's her learning from the past. I don't know, um, but it's interesting. Yeah, the, the other interesting thing to come out of press is they were asked if Obi-Wan Kenobi would get a second season because we know this is a limited series. This is only intended to be a six episode like mini series of sorts. So it's not going to, was not intended to be the first season of anything. And um, Deborah Chow, who is the director uh, was asked by entertainment weekly if, uh, if we'd see more. And she said, it was definitely conceived as a limited series, and it is one big story with a beginning, middle, and end. The approach has always been that it is one full story. And uh, Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy also chimed in at the possibility of a second season, saying, it's certainly something we talk about, mainly because everybody came together and had such an incredible time. Ewan had an incredible time. Hayden had an incredible time. So certainly from that point of view, everybody involved would love to see does not end but we have to really spend our time asking the question why would we do it if we had to decide to do anything more with the obi-wan character we'd have to have answer the question why 
And uh, I, I think, um, you know, I don't even think we need this Obi-Wan series, to be <laughs> to be honest with you. I think the conceit of what, what what's happening here is, uh, I guess maybe they are finding a reason why. Like, I, I, I think maybe this whole, you know, this down and out uh, Obi-Wan who is, you know, uh, maybe losing faith in a way. Um, maybe this story is something that is essential to tell for this character. But I, I don't know how many more stories you can tell, and I don't know how many al- more altercations he can have with, you know, Darth Vader. <laughs> no, and I do think this is like a limited. But I think I think Kennedy's just doing doing her job as the head of the company to not like rule anything out. Yeah. Preemptively, uh, and I think she's also more just trying to put a positive spin and saying like everyone had such a great time, so we don't want to say no just because we loved working together. But I don't really think she's hinting at like oh maybe. You know what I mean? Like, I think, like, yeah. she's just doing her job. Uh, I, I, I would have... Because, yeah, I think there is, like, very much... You only have so much runway. I think there's definitely a story to tell in there, but I just don't think you have... You don't have runway for, like, a whole trilogy in there. You, yeah. You've got one story where you can bridge the gap between that Obi-Wan at the end of Revenge of the Sith and the guy we see at the beginning of A New Hope. That, I think, has value in it, but let's not, like... Let's not oh, let's not overdo it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Obi Wan Kenobi will debut on Disney Plus on May twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. You can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.